What's up, everybody? How you doing? It is good to see you today, and uh, welcome to those of you joining us from our campuses and Ada Bible online as well. Uh, hey, if it's your first time here, my name's Aaron. I'm one of the teaching pastors, and I'm just uh, so grateful for this opportunity to open up the scriptures with all of you. Now, before we wrap up uh, Daniel, this series uh, called Honor in Exile, I want to let you know what we're uh, headed into next week. So uh, we're going to be starting out a new series. Uh, Pastor Jeff will be kicking things off. Uh, here we are. It's called Invitation to the Feast. Now, uh, Thanksgiving's coming up, you know, and uh, inevitably you get together with family, and at some point during Thanksgiving, you probably do this thing where it's like, okay, go around the table and, and say what you're thankful for. So this idea of gratitude and feasting, uh, it's not new, okay? In fact, it's very ancient. Uh, the ancient Israelites, they had three annual Feasts where they got together and celebrated God's faithfulness, particularly around agriculture. And so uh, these three feasts, uh, it's like God mandated this. It's kind of like thou shalt party and celebrate and remember uh, what God's faithfulness. And so I'm excited in this series to explore these festivals and see uh, you know, uh, what they meant to them and also what they might mean for us as we live our lives. So join us next week. Pastor Jeff will be kicking things off. Now, uh, this weekend, as we close up the series on Daniel, I just want to start with three words. Here they are. Uh, under new management, okay? So you're driving down the road, you see one of these signs on a coffee shop or, or a, pay, a place of business, and you go, oh, okay, somebody bought the company, and somebody's rebooting it, I wonder how things are going to change. But uh, I wonder if you've ever experienced this. I wonder if maybe a company that you work for gets acquired by another company and suddenly things are changing and you're going, am I even gonna have a job in six months? Maybe recently you've gotten a new boss, so you gotta figure out a new work relationship, new personality, new expectations and preferences. Or maybe it's closer to home. Your mom gets remarried and now you have a new stepdad. And so it's, there's a new person in your life under new management, sometimes this brings new opportunity, it brings good things, other times it brings challenges, stress, and perhaps even adversity. And the reason I bring this up is because Daniel, the main character in our series, uh, he's experienced a lot of this under new management. Uh, growing up in Jerusalem as a teenager, he was a, a noble, so he's training for the king's government and the Babylonian Empire comes through, conquers the land, takes Daniel and a few other guys back to Babylon to serve King Nebuchadnezzar there under new management. Now, in our story today, as we learned last week, the Persian Empire has conquered the Babylonian Empire, and so now Daniel is serving not only a new king, Darius, but an entirely different Empire. So once again, he's under new management. Now, I want to show you a map of uh, just how big the Persian Empire was. I mean, so just uh, you thought the electoral map last week was nuts, okay? I mean, look at this. They had in the Persian Empire what, what they called, uh, we would call it a state or a province, but they would call it a satrapy. And they had 120 of them. And each one had a satrap, that's kind of like a government over them. 
Now, Daniel, he has spent his life in civil service. He's a government official. He was high up in the Babylonian Empire. And now here, serving the Persians, he is one of three administrators that oversees all of these satraps. And so he's pretty high in the government. He's kind of, uh, he's kind of in a pretty influential position. And uh, you may remember, if you were with us last week, that uh, as the Babylonian Empire came to an end, Daniel was about 50 or 60 years old. And here in our story today in Daniel chapter 6, I think he's maybe in his 80s. So he's really getting up there. And so big job, high pressure, he's not getting any younger. How is Daniel doing in this uh, governmental position, this uh, pretty significant leadership role. So Daniel chapter 6, verse 3. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Daniel is crushing it. He's doing great work. The king is planning to promote him to like vice president of the empire. So if you're in leadership, if you're in business, Daniel is just one of these older, wiser, sage leaders that you would like give anything to have lunch with. Just to pick his brain and just, hey, tell me stories of some of the things that you've been through. That's, that's Daniel, just an incredible leader. And of course, I imagine, you know, all these other satraps, the, the governors and all these other officials, they probably love Daniel. They probably so appreciate Daniel's abilities to lead. They're probably so grateful that, that he's the one that's getting promoted over everything, right? Wrong. <laughs> no, these guys are jealous. The story today is one of envy, political intrigue, even attempted assassination. Daniel is incredibly effective as a leader, but he's about to enter into significant adversity. Now, this series, the book of Daniel, it's been all about God's honor. And the question for God's people living in exile, how do you honor God in a foreign land? And so throughout, we've been asking ourselves, how do we live lives that honor God? And you know what? It's hard enough to live a life that honors God when everything's going right. I mean, when things are going well in your life, it, it's hard enough to live in a way that honors God. But when things are not going well, when you're in pain, when you're experiencing hardship, resistance, if you're suffering, I mean, that's a whole different deal. How do you honor God in adversity? That's what I want to talk about today. And so let me ask you, where are you facing adversity right now? Where in your life would you just go, it's just really hard right now? And maybe your situation is not that different from Daniel's. It's like office politics. People talking about you behind your back. People talking about you in a negative way to leadership. And you never have the opportunity to defend yourself. How do you honor God in a toxic work environment? Or maybe it's your body, it's, it's your health. You're just in constant pain. And it just makes you so tired and weary and cranky. How do you honor God when you just don't feel like yourself? 
Maybe it's stress over money. All this talk in the news, inflation this and inflation, it's affecting that. And you're going, yeah, it's affecting my family. Like we're having to cancel trips. We're thinking about selling one of our cars. We're not sure we're going to be able to make our house payments. How do you honor God when you're just so stressed and anxious about money? It's hard enough to honor God when things are going right. How do you honor him when things feel like they're falling apart? That's what we're going to talk about today. And just a little spoiler. It could be that one of your greatest opportunities to bring God honor is actually the difficult and hard situation that you're in right now. So Daniel chapter 6, the story is going to unfold uh, in three scenes. The first scene is this right here, the worker. So there's all these satrapies, there's all these governors called satraps. Daniel is over a whole bunch of them. He's about to be promoted to number one in the kingdom. And, uh, well, his co-workers aren't loving it. So verse 4 of chapter 6, at this, that is kind of the announcement that Daniel's going to be promoted, the administrators and satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. These guys are going, we got to take Daniel out. We can't, we can't have him over all of us. They don't like Daniel. They don't want him in that position. So let's, let's dig up some dirt on this guy. So they start sniffing around, looking for trouble, and they're finding nothing. This guy is perfectly clean. He's trustworthy. He's not corrupt. And he's not negligent, meaning he's really good at what he does. He's very competent. And not only that, he has incredibly high character. So just maybe two, two phrases that might just summarize all this. Daniel, what's he about? He's about good work and good character. He brings it to his job, and he does it in a way that's, that's uh, trustworthy and with integrity. Now, here's the thing. As we talk about what it looks like to honor God, especially in, in difficult situations and in adversity, just don't miss this. Bringing good work and good character honors God. Let's talk about the first one, good work. I, I learned this just from an early age. I've mentioned this before. I grew up in a blue-collar family, a, a water well drilling family business. And I, I learned as a middle schooler, as a high schooler, that, that my uncles, those were my bosses, they appreciated good, hard work. And I understood from, from a young age that, that working hard and bringing my best to work, that made my dad proud. But what I didn't understand until I was much older is that bringing my best to my work, working hard, not only does it make my dad proud, I think it makes God proud. I think God is proud of us when we work hard and we bring good work. Good work honors God. You see, growing up, I, I just sort of had this sense that like, okay, if you want to honor God, you got to do spiritual things, right? Like, like pray more, read your Bible more, go to church more. And yes, of course, these are good things that honor God. But also, I believe good, hard work honors God. Think about it. 
Way back at the beginning, God creates the world, Garden of Eden. He puts human beings in the garden, and, and he doesn't say to them, now just pray. Just you know, start a choir. Just sing. No, he puts them to work. He gives them a job. Bring order to creation. Even before sin entered into creation, work existed. It was good, and it honored God. And so I just, I don't, I don't know who needs to hear this today, but the work that you do and bringing your best to it, understand that makes your God proud, that honors him. And it doesn't matter what kind of work it is. I mean, executive level, entry level. Inside the home, outside the home. Paid, free, volunteer work. Listen, moms, the work that you are doing with your kids, it matters. And when you bring your best to your work, it honors God. Now, Daniel, he's a good worker, and he also has good character. It's not just that he's very competent. It's also that he's trustworthy, that he has integrity. And I learned this lesson at an early age as well, because, again, the water well drilling business. If you hired me to drill you a well, which I recommend you do not, because I haven't done it for a long time. But let's say you did, okay? Uh, and when I finish the project, and you have now a working well, you have water in your house, uh, you're going to get a bill. You're going to get a bill for the, for the work, and you're going to be charged based on the depth of the well. So you're going to get a bill for a well that's, what, 60 feet deep or 120 feet deep, 330 feet deep. And understand, you're getting charged by the foot. So the deeper the well, the more expensive the well. So you want the shallow well. But when you go out into your front yard to look at what I have done for you, all you're going to see is a piece of pipe about this high sticking out of the ground. Everything else is below the surface. And so when I give you a bill for a well that's 330 foot deep, you're going like, I guess I'm going to trust you. Because <laughs> you can't see all the work that's gone below the surface. And I'm telling you, it would not be that hard to kind of fudge the numbers. And, eh, it was, uh, you know, 300. 50 feet deep when it really was only 330. But I'm grateful I was raised in a family of Jesus followers that taught not only do you work hard, but you do it in the right way. You bring your character as well. And now here's my point. It doesn't matter what kind of work that you do, whatever it is, there's an element to what you do that's above ground, and there's an element to what you do that's below the surface. Part of the work that you do, whether you're a mom, an executive, a, you know, a restaurant worker, it's above the surface. Everybody can see the quality of your work. And then there's a bunch of things that are below the surface that nobody knows about except you. And that's the good character part. The stuff that's below the surface. Honesty. Integrity. The way that you talk about the people that you work for when they're not in the room. That's the stuff that's below the surface. And so it's not only that you are effective in your work, it's that you do your work in the right way. That is what really brings God honor. And these guys start digging around into Daniel's life, looking for something that they can get on him, and they find nothing. But I gotta ask you, if somebody started digging below the surface in your life, in your work, what would they find? Does it honor God? 
And I'm telling you, it doesn't matter if your work environment, whatever that is, if it's healthy or if it's toxic, you can honor God with good work and good character in that space. But you just might be going, look, you don't understand. You, you do not know my boss. You don't know my mom. You don't know my coach. You don't know what they're like. They don't deserve my best. And you know what? I don't know them, and maybe you're right. But the, but the point is this. It's not whether or not they deserve your best. It's who you're really working for. So the Apostle Paul, now I'm fast-forwarding like hundreds of years from the story of Daniel. The Apostle Paul, leader in the early church and Jesus movement, uh, he started churches all around the Mediterranean world, and uh, he started a church in Colossae, or was involved in the starting of that church, and so he wrote a letter that we have in our New Testament, it's called Colossians. I want you to see something in that letter as Paul is writing to uh, new believers in Colossae. It's in chapter three, verse 17, he says, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, do it in the name of Jesus. You see, Paul is teaching these early Jesus followers to think of Jesus as their ultimate boss. The one that you're truly working for is Jesus. So yeah, your, your boss might not deserve your best, but Jesus does. The one who gave his life for you deserves your best work and your best character. And so it's not a question of whether or not they deserve it. It's a question of who you're really working for. But something that you know to be true is that if you're in a difficult situation, if you're facing adversity at work, uh, just because you bring your best work and your best self to your work, it doesn't mean that things are going to get better necessarily. It doesn't mean that the difficulty is going to go away. In fact, it could even get worse. And that's what Daniel is going to experience. Because these guys are out to get him, and they are searching high and low for a way to bring him down. Verse 5, finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. This guy is clean. We can't find anything, but he sure is devoted to his God. And they know this because they've been creeping around the dark alleys of, around Daniel's house, and they've seen him doing something day after day, three times a day. He comes to his window and he prays. And so one of these guys, uh, the conspirators, hatches a plan. What if we use that against him? What if we trap him in his devotion to his God? I think we can get King Darius to fall for something here. And so this brings us to the second scene in this story. It's called uh, The Window. Something is going to happen regarding Daniel praying at the window. And so jumping down to verse 6, so these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, may King Darius live forever. The royal administrators and prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed, everybody's in on this, that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. In other words, executed. 
It's like, hey, we think that everybody everywhere should only pray to you for the next 30 days. And King Darius goes, you know, I think that's a great idea. And he takes this edict and he signs it into law. Now, something you got to know about the law of the Persian Empire, the law code, is that once, a, once something was signed into law, it could not be repealed. They didn't have like a Supreme Court we do where it's like, that's unconstitutional, boom, gone. No. Once it's signed, done, that's a law. And so for the next 30 days, this is the thing. It cannot be repealed. Now, uh, this is not good for Daniel. This is bad, right? Because he prays three times a day, day after day. But I'm thinking, okay, this is bad, but it's not that bad. Daniel, just be smart about this. Because listen, you have a position. You're, you're about to be vice president of the empire. You have a platform, Daniel. You can use your voice for good. You can use your platform to share your faith. So just be smart, Daniel. A couple ideas. Just take a break from praying for the next 30 days. I mean, there's nothing in the Bible that says you can't take a break from praying for the next 30 days. Better yet, Daniel, just close the shutters. I mean, bro, pray in the closet for the next 30 days. You don't have to be all public with this thing anyway. So, Daniel, just be smart. Don't lose your platform. Don't lose your life over this. Verse 10, now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. So much for being smart. Daniel, what are you doing? He just continues to pray. Daniel, what about your position? What about your status? What about your platform? What about your life? There's something more important than his position, status, platform, or even his safety. And what is that? It has to do with this open window facing Jerusalem and Daniel praying in this way. You see, Daniel is echoing an ancient prayer. He's, he's acting out an ancient prayer that's about 400 years before his time. A prayer that King Solomon prayed at the dedication ceremony for the temple of God that Solomon built. So here's a, an image of what Solomon's temple probably looked like. And when this thing was finished, uh, when the construction was wrapped up, there was this huge celebration, this dedication where all the people gathered together and Solomon offered this long and eloquent prayer of dedication for the temple. And near the end of this prayer, all of a sudden he starts talking about some stuff that if you were in the crowd that day, you would have been like, what is he doing? This is weird. Because he starts praying for the Israelites in the future. And in the future when they sin against God, when they rebel against God, when they worship other gods. And God warns them, but then eventually allows them to be conquered and has them carried off into exile and they're in captivity in a foreign land. Which is exactly what Daniel is going through. It's amazing that Solomon somehow prays for this. And in this prayer... A little later on, you can, you can read the whole prayer if you want. It's in 1 Kings chapter 8. But uh, verse 47, in Solomon's prayer, he says, And if they turn back to you, talking about the people of Israel, if they turn back to you with all their heart and soul in the land of their enemies who took them captive, and if they pray to you toward the land 
that you gave their ancestors, toward the city you have chosen and the temple I have built for your name. Then from heaven, your dwelling place, hear their prayer and their plea and uphold their cause and forgive your people. Solomon says, and when they come to their senses and pray that you would restore and forgive, God, would you forgive them when that happens? This is exactly what Daniel is doing three times a day, day after day, facing Jerusalem through an open window. He's praying that God would forgive, that God would restore his people. Question, why does he care about this so much? That he would put his life on the line. I mean, surely he wants to go home. It's the place that he grew up. Surely he wants to be free. I mean, he's very high in the government, but he, he's a slave, essentially. But I think it's something so much deeper than that. And we actually have a prayer of Daniel recorded for us in Daniel chapter 9. And so I want to read this for you because I think it reveals why Daniel was so passionate and dedicated it comes from uh, Daniel chapter 9, verse 17. Just imagine Daniel kneeling down before that window, praying toward Jerusalem. He says, Now, our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, our God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act for your sake, my God. Do not delay because your city and your people bear your name. Your sake, your name. He's praying that God's honor would be restored. If the people are returned, if the temple is, is rebuilt, God, your, your honor will be restored in the world. That is what Daniel is so passionate and devoted to, God's honor. And in this moment, he is choosing God's honor over his position, his status, his platform. He's choosing God's honor over his own honor. And friends, I think that's the thing right there. How do you honor God in adversity? by choosing his honor over your own. And so just a question I think would be helpful. Whose honor? Whose honor? I think at some point in our lives, every single one of us are gonna be faced with some critical choices. A whose honor decision, where you, are, where you have to make a decision between your own honor and his. And it happens when you find out that somebody has been talking about you they have shared something about you that is hurtful, unkind, and dishonoring. And everything in you wants to pay them back, and you know exactly how to do it because you know something about them. And if you tell that person, everybody will find out. And it comes down to a decision. Whose honor? My honor or his honor? I believe that many of us at some point are going to have to make a whose honor decision is it going to be his honor or my career advancement? A decision between what is right in God's eyes and what is profitable for me. And in that moment, whose honor 
Mine or his? I think all of us, at some point, will face one of these big, life-altering, direction-changing decisions, a whose honor decision. But more often, it's smaller, seemingly insignificant, mundane whose honor decisions that happen in weird places like the pizza shop. So Saturday night is pizza night at the Buer household. Almost every Saturday we get pizza. I love watching football and eating pizza. Go blue. Uh, anyway, uh, last Saturday um, I, I was going to order pizza for the family, and so I pulled up my phone. I went to the website. I ordered online because I'm tech savvy. Uh, and so I pull out the phone. You know, I make the order for the pizza. I get this uh, text, uh, or I get this to this screen where it shows. Uh, you know, the location to pick it up and the time to pick it up. And I'm like, perfect. So I drive to the pizza shop, get out, go inside. A lot of people gathering around waiting for pizza. I go up to the counter, uh, pizza for Aaron. She's looking at the screen. Uh, is it possible you ordered under another name? Uh, pizza for Buer. Uh, and she's looking, uh, yeah, we, I don't have an order under that name either. Now I'm getting frustrated because the game's about to start. You know, I'm hungry. And so I pull out my phone. I'm like, look, right here, it shows the time I'm supposed to pick it up. It shows the location. And here's the order for the pizza. You know, what's up? And so, oh, I'm so sorry. It seems like our system messed up. And so uh, if you'll just, you know, wait for 15 minutes, we'll, uh, we'll get you your pizza for free. Now, I do not like to wait, but I do like free. <laughs> so I sat down. And I'm going, what's up with their website? You know, why can't people get things right? And so I'm looking at my phone, trying to figure out what happened. And I'm like, yeah, that's the location. That's the time. And then I see this button that says, pay now. <laughs> I'm going, pay now? I never paid. As in, I never actually ordered the pizza. As in, I'm the problem here. And then I overhear them kind of in the kitchen, you know, it's like, yeah, we messed up. And so just, you know, when the, or just give it to them for free. It'll be fine. Uh, and I'm going, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> and suddenly it becomes a who's honor decision. And I'm telling you, there's nothing in me that wants to go back up to that register and go to the teenager working there. Listen, <laughs> I, I don't know how to order pizza online because I'm a moron. <laughs> so I need to pay for the pizza. Um, but that's what I had to do, and that's what I did. And I guess the point I'm trying to make here is that these big, life-altering, whose honor decisions, I believe they're connected to the smaller, seemingly insignificant, whose honor decisions that happen in the pizza shop. And the reason I believe this is because in this story today, Daniel praying at the window, he's in his 80s. And I just believe that his ability to make the God-honoring decision in this moment has a lot to do with smaller whose honor decisions that he made in his 20s, in his 30s, in his 40s, and his 50s. And don't expect that you will be able to make the God-honoring decision then if you're unwilling to make the God-honoring decision now. And so a question for all of us is, are you facing a whose honor decision right now? And understand that the person that you're becoming is being shaped by the decisions that you're making today. And don't expect that you'll be able to make the God-honoring decision then if you're unwilling to make it now, even in the pizza shop. We are being shaped by the decisions that we make. And so whose honor? Now, Daniel, 
praying at the window, he knows the consequences of this decision. He knows that he is at risk. And of course, this group of people that are after him, they're watching. They know exactly what's happening. And so they're ready to turn him in. And so they go back to the king, to his palace. Hey, <laughs> Darius, remember that decree that you put into law about praying only to you? Yeah, let's talk about that. So verse 13, then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree that you put into writing. He still prays three times a day. And when the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to do so, but he can't because you cannot change a Persian law. And so Darius realizes that he has made a big mistake. Now all Daniel can do is trust in the God who he has chosen to honor. So scene three of the story today is the den. So jumping back into the story, verse 16. So the king gave the order. He's got no choice. And they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. And the king said to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually rescue you. And they bring a stone and they put it over the den. And the king is distraught. He goes back to his palace. He refuses food. He refuses entertainment. He can't sleep. Verse 19, at first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. So Daniel chooses God's honor over his own. He trusts God for the outcome, and God miraculously delivers him from the lions. Now, something that you just might be feeling that I felt too as I read this story is just, that's not always how it goes, is it? I mean, even in the Bible, even in the scriptures, New Testament in particular, Jesus' followers make God-honoring decisions. They trust God for the outcome, and they get arrested. They get beat up, in some cases, even executed. And the truth is that sometimes God brings himself honor by delivering us from the pain. And more often, God brings himself honor by delivering us through the pain. As in, we don't always get to avoid it, and both experiences bring incredible honor to God. Now, King Darius... He has witnessed this whole thing, and i got to tell you that he has been deeply impacted by what has happened here. I mean, he, he now views the God of Daniel in, in a totally different way. He, I think he has been transformed by this experience. And the reason I believe this is true is because what, what Darius does is he writes this decree that he has sent out to his entire empire in every language of all 120 of these satrapies, you know, provinces. And in the, the wording of this decree, you can just hear, you can just feel how he has been changed by this experience. And so I want you to hear what Darius wrote. It's down in verse 26. I issue a decree. That in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God. 
and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. You can just hear how Darius has been transformed by this experience. God is doing something in him. Now, for those of us who are Jesus followers, isn't this, the, the kind of the decree moment, isn't this what all of us want to see? I mean, that our lives would matter. That like Daniel, that we would honor God and it would mean something. That, that people far from God that don't know God, like King Darius, would see God for who he really is and be transformed. That other people in our lives who are Jesus followers would be encouraged and inspired to remain faithful to God because of our example. Isn't this what all of us want deep down? But it strikes me in this story that Daniel had to go through the den in order to see the decree. And what if, for all of us, you have to go through the den in order to get to the decree. In other words, if you want to see that level of spiritual movement and spiritual growth in your own heart and impact in the lives of people around you, what, what if in order to get there, you have to spend some time with some hungry lions? What I'm trying to say is that what if some of your greatest opportunities to honor God to experience transformation in yourself and impact in those around you? What if, what if some of your greatest opportunities for that is actually the adversity, the pain, and the hardship that you face? The den. What if, what if going through that gets you to the decree? Lost your job. You got fired. And you don't feel it was fair, and you don't feel it was just, and now here you are in a season of difficulty, hardship, pain, and understand your neighbors, your family, your kids are now watching you, and how you conduct yourself in this space, how you move forward, how you choose to talk about your former employers, it's an incredible opportunity to bring honor to God right in the pain. What if you have to go through the den to get to the decree? I know that some of you have experienced a tragic loss in your family. It was and is devastating. And yet, God has been using your experience because it's brought you some opportunities that you didn't have before to speak comfort and encouragement and hope into the lives of other people who are going through a loss in their family. And you just sense that God is restoring and redeeming some of your story. And it's precisely because of what you have gone through and how you leaned on God in that season that you now have these opportunities to influence and encourage. What if you have to go through the den to get to the decree? So listen, I don't know, I don't know what you're going through. 
I don't know what pain you're carrying, what hardship you're facing, what adversity is in your life. And I wish that you weren't going through it. I really do. But could I remind you and could I encourage you that this season right here could be an incredible opportunity to honor God. That God would grow something in you. That God might use your experience to encourage and bless others precisely because of what you're going through. So Daniel, book of Daniel, it's a story of God's honor. God's people are in exile, they're in a foreign land, and it's the story of how they choose to honor God in a culture that's very much against their faith. Sound familiar? And it's also, it's also the story of how their God repeatedly, creatively, and powerfully shows up and makes himself known and encourages and sustains his people, bringing honor to himself. And as we close this series, may I just remind you, we still serve the same God. And so as you seek to honor God in your life this week, may you experience the power and the presence and the blessing of your God in your life. May he sustain you in the same way that he sustained his people in exile. Friends, thanks so much for being here today. It has been an absolute privilege to open the scriptures with you. Hope that you're able to join us next week as we start a new series. We'll see you next week.